Good morning. It is Monday, March 18th. It's 6.58 a.m. I'm here with Lavinia. She's purring up a storm. Um, full disclosure, I've been up since about 5 a.m. Sleep patterns are a little off. Um, but yeah, it's been quite a heavy week of of toil and it just I feel like a machine you know it's just one of those weeks just going 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 lots of shipping as you guys know it was St. Patty's Day yesterday um Sunday kept it civil that's all I gotta say I had to walk past the napper tandy Meaning, like, I wasn't compelled to walk past. I was forced to walk past to get to point B. And, um, you know, it's just a bunch of cigarettes and desperation. There's, uh, <laughs> there was an interesting crowd of people, uh, but, uh, I didn't want to get sucked in. Um, so that was the main area, but they were just, I don't know what it is about, St. Patty's Day, but makes people litter like crazy. Like just, I saw people littering, like dropping their trash all over. Um, this was when I was on my way to have dinner at Kirsty's house. Um, and then when I came back, some of the same people were still there a bit worse for the wear and trying desperately, um, to uh, get laid. So that was, that was amusing. Um, but in between, uh, both trips past the Napper Tandy, I was at Kirsty's house having a delicious, yummy homemade meal. Uh, she had gone to Japantown, uh, to the Nijia market to get some delicacies and she shared them with me. Uh, Kirsty does not like sushi. She has a texture issue with raw fish. Fine, fine. No problem. Um, but loves ramen. She's kind of a ramen connoisseur. So I was really in for a treat. And uh, what she made was something I had never had before. Um, but it was so delicious. So obviously ramen. So she used fresh noodles. And then it was kind of a, uh, like with a black sesame paste, she made this really rich, kind of like a mixture between a a sauce, a cream sauce and a gravy. And that went over the ramen. And then she had ground pork that was super flavorful. And, oh, it was so good. Oh my God. It was so, so good. I, it was what I needed. It was the meal I needed. Um, cause I didn't have lunch you know, I, w I did tarot all day. I didn't even have a chance to have water. So I was very grateful for the meal. Um, I brought over some champagne adjacent pink sparkling wine. Um, it was actually surprisingly good. It was surprisingly good. Um, you know, you never know what you're going to get with the pink cham champagne. Um, and, uh, you know, Etc. Etc. So yeah, we just had a really fun time. Kirsty's a great hostess, cook, and friend. Um, so yeah, I felt I feel lucky 
And, and now I'm going to return the favor. So on Thursday, I plan on having her over for a Nishwa salad. How about that? Um, and possibly something else. If I can, if I have the time to pull everything together. Oh God. Yeah. It's been a week. It's been a week. Um, it's funny. St. Patty's day is so, it's such a weird holiday. It's, it's, it's morphed into something really strange. I think, um, it's like an excuse to, to just obliterate yourself and like lose your self-respect kind of, it's kind of like Mardi Gras, but Mardi Gras is more fun. Um, I think more people are participating, more people participating in it. Um, in certain regions, I mean, here in, here in SF, I mean, no one knows how to do Mardi Gras, right? Like, you know, you got to stay away from the Cajun food here. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's in and of itself. I mean, it's, they, the two just don't go together. Um, and it's always done with arrogance, you know, when people try to make Cajun food here. Um, that's another podcast altogether. Don't even get me started. Um, but yeah, here... I think it used to be a lot more rampant, almost, I think there were a few St. Patty's that were, had, were kind of riotous. Um, Growing up in the Midwest, before I moved to Texas, there was a St. Patty's Day parade every year in uh, Indianapolis, and that was, that was as close to Mardi Gras as I had, had yet experienced, and I loved it then. When I was little, uh, we would all go down to the parade and it, you know, it was like nine in the morning or something and kind of brisk outside. And, you know, all the different floats, they would throw beads and, and green candies and green, one, one, uh, float would throw uh, green bagels at me. And, you know, they're kind of stale. Um, but I loved them. I would collect them and, you know, look at them and maybe eat them. They were, they were just, oh, anything green. Um, and I kind of looked forward to it because we weren't really allowed to celebrate Halloween or anything like that. So um, that I that was one of my more favorite holidays for a long time. It's kind of funny how things have changed. Um, and I had a really memorable St. Patty's Day in 1998. Um, I was in Galveston with my friend Cheryl who lived in this little cottage there. And we had kind of forgot that it was that day. Everywhere else was kind of a buzz with tourists and whatnot and people, you know, getting day drunk, etc. And uh, she's like, well, let's go to Lafitte's. And I was like, well, okay, let's go. And it was funny because I hadn't been there. It was, it was a gay bar. Um, probably the only, I think it was the only gay bar in Galveston. It was totally dead. Like just nobody there except for myself, Cheryl, the bartender, and a very um, senior edition drag queen on stage uh, doing, a, I believe it was a Sylvester song, uh, something like around in the realm of Do You Want a Funk? And we were the only people in the audience. And, you know, they gave it their all, but they were also, you could tell they were just behind the performance. You could sense that they were disappointed that it was just Cheryl and I. Fair enough. You know, it was just, 
they were still dedicated to you honing their craft. And it was, it was kind of a hot, clammy, muggy, mildewy kind of day. And the bars somewhat smelt of mildew. But guess what? We had some green beer <laughs> and it was very flat. And the unfabulousness, it, it was like you, it was like if a, if a deflated balloon could be a day, that was what we were experiencing. We were experiencing the antithesis of, of festivity. And I'll never forget it because I, I was actually very happy to be in that moment and experience everything. You know, we have a drag queen, we have a bar at St. Patty's Day, we have green beer, and everything's just a little bit off. Everything is deflated. Everything, <laughs> the wind has got out of the sails at every single checkpoint. And I just, th I found it so amusing. I'll never forget that day. I think it might be the best, best one I've had as far as uh, Irish holidays are concerned. Uh, you know, St. Patrick, I guess from what I remember is he was celebrated for uh, getting all the, the snake infestation out of Ireland. Uh, I used to I used to know the full story, but you know what? My mind is filled with other things. Um, but yeah, exterminating snakes. Uh, thank you. Um, I guess it was a real problem. Uh, you know, I think I'd be more concerned with rats, but that was still to come. <laughs> that was a uh, maybe a couple centuries later when, when the bubonic plague uh, came around. Oh, yeah. So it's just been a whirlwind of shipping, shopping, shooting, selling. I had two shoots this week. And also finishing the quilt squares. I had two squares to complete. So, so that means I had, you know, two extra, you know, one extra idea to come up with. And I finished them last night at Kirsty's house. It's been sewing up a storm. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's so many things that I want to do with my time and so many things that I want to create. And I feel very lucky that I have these ideas, but the frustration is just not having the time. I'm also going to be making a painting of, for the Homelessness Coalition art show art event uh, in early April and I really want to get started on that I'm going to start on it after this I want to go out in the alley and look for a cardboard box <clears throat> that's been broken down and I'm going to paint a picture of this girl named Katie uh, she I don't know if y'all were hanging out in the mission a few years ago but or if you remember her it must have been about five or six years ago by now. Uh, but uh, Katie was this homeless woman who was very young. She might have been 18, couldn't have been any older than, than 21, I think. And she's a testament to how hard life on the streets is. Oh, God. She was off her nut on crystal meth. I'm pretty sure, off her, out of her mind on drugs. First encounter I had with her, I was at Painted Bird. Uh, 
and she came into the store and just started wreaking havoc, you know, just pulling things off the shelves and harassing customers and had this really manic energy. And, you know, she's kind of a large boned young lady and uh, very strong, you know, because she had this, this drug pulsing through her veins. And, you know, I said, you got to go. I'm sorry, you got to go. And I got out from behind the counter and tried to escort her out. And she turned on me and said, I hope your babies get brain cancer. And it was very unsettling. I was like, well, I, you know, if I was going to have children, I kind of, you know, that would really stick with me. You know what I mean? And um, then it turns out that she started hanging out right near my house right where the McDonald's was off a of lilac alley. And uh, she had a very distinctive look. She has a, a, a dirty blonde mullet uh, that was not a hairstyle, but was more like a chopped, you know, like she maybe took her, took some scissors. And in that mullet were all manner of gift wrap ribbons and bows and fabric that she had tied to the various Uh, uneven bits of hair and it was streaming down so in a way it was almost like she made a wig or headdress out of these ribbons and it was kind of garish but it was also I mean it was kind of cool and she had really bright blue eyeshadow I was it was very pigmented I was like is this you know it looked like it looked like it was NARS it looked like she might have stole it from Sephora or something it was that heavily pigmented um, and then she had very rosy cheeks that from blush, but she also had fair, fair freckled skin. Like maybe she was um, like a strawberry blonde or something. And, you know, then smeary red lipstick. Um, you know, in the fashion world, I, I feel that sometimes I wonder if in couture, and in high fashion, if someone just comes to San Francisco, looks at the homeless people, goes back and produces it for the runway, I wonder um, if they just appropriate that sometimes. Uh, because her look was very, could could sometimes be very high fashion. Um, and then she would always wear like a tattered tank top that had her tummy sticking out. And uh, then she had... A, a little tiny mini skirt made out of denim and the skirt got shorter and shorter um, she would hang out behind the McDonald's or outside the McDonald's uh, on the side and sometimes she'd be crying just exhausted crying from exhaustion and sometimes she'd be really angry and if you got in her way or what she thought was in her way she'd, she'd smack you I got smacked by her a couple times I know a few other people uh, who she hit as well. She was pretty, pretty far gone on, on the drugs. And then one day she was outside of Phil's coffee and she wasn't walking very well. And she's like, I've been raped. And nobody was listening to her. Nobody listened to her. And she said it again. Nobody listened to her. And then the 
the next day I saw her walking down the street and she was with some gangster looking thuggish dude and then I would see her strutting around outside the dollar store with some stolen crap and then one day I didn't see her anymore and you know what she's a scary little lady she was there were times when she frightened me because of her anger and her violence was really raw but then most of the time I just felt helpless like there wasn't anything I could do I've asked my neighbor Amisha what happened to her because we had all been pretty concerned Sean her her boyfriend had actually gone to help to reach out to her and uh, had gotten uh, the phone number of her uncle and tried to get in touch with him and the uncle said you know she's too far gone we've done everything we've done everything for Katie and she's too far gone we we can't have her back in our lives she's really burned a lot of bridges so that that was also very disheartening to hear um so yeah we didn't see her for a while and I asked Amisha at the mission bar what was up and she said oh you didn't know and I said what what happened and she's like she she's dead Katie's dead and um she was found with her throat slit in the uh, Foodsco parking lot. And Foodsco's off of 15th and Folsom, which is not normally where she hangs out. She was found, I, I don't remember if she was found in a car or something, but I think what happened, she must have picked up a trick. And he did that to her. So that's what happens to a lot of homeless people. A lot of homeless women end up dying violent deaths and living short, painful lives. Men have it a little easier on the streets. You'll see them out for a bit longer. You know, um, they, they can, I've seen them go, you know, grow into old men, um, Homelessness is a big problem here in San Francisco. It's an epidemic. Um, I've known people that have been on the edge of homelessness and and uh, people people that are dignified and and upstanding citizens, people who are gainfully employed on the edge of homelessness here. Um, things that other people in the city in in other cities don't have to worry about. Um, this guy Delson. I don't know if y'all remember him. He was kind of a, un, you know, never a very ambitious or anything kind of guy. Um, somewhat unobtrusive. Uh, kind of, kind of cute. Um, and he would, you know, he'd hang out at places, go to shows. You'd see him at the knockout and stuff. And then it, his grooming kind of started slipping a bit. And then he started living on the streets. And he first he started kind of uh, living out on Valencia Street, 
And then he, I now see him out uh, on Market Street near Civic Center Bart a lot. Um, and yes, his condition has deteriorated. I have reached out to him to see if he wants help. Uh, he doesn't want my help. Um, I saw him at the post office one time. He was uh, taking some labels for who knows what. Um, and that that was probably the last time that he was, was cogent. Um, he's pretty much fallen into schizophrenic uh, delusions. And um, I still recognize him. I don't I don't think he recognizes me anymore though. So that that's unsettling to see and it's it's sad. And you know over over the years you just end up seeing you just end up seeing these people and then you just don't see them anymore. Um sometimes sometimes uh you see people and you can kind of, if you see them often enough, you can kind of see what's happening and their dynamics in life. Um, if they are not as disturbed mentally, let's say as Katie, Katie was, or as Delson is, um, there's this couple, I don't know if you guys know, but man, this one, the the girl has has been homeless for a lot longer and the first time i met her was in 2005 early 2005 i was walking down down market street with my friend michael and he was visiting from houston and this she looked like a little uh, a crusty punk girl she was real tiny and she had full face tats um kind of kind of like uh maori tattoos like the chin tattoos she had that going on um so there were tribal face tats crusty punk look and she was following me around she would not leave me alone and she i mean she followed me into the art supply store and she just she liked me um and michael said will you please leave my friend alone and um and she she did eventually I kept seeing her, and then I, did, I didn't see her for a while, but then I recognized her because of the face tattoos, and she, uh, years later, so about maybe five years later, 2010, I just moved um, into where I live now, and oh my god, she had, she was still there, she was still around, it's a miracle, it's a miracle that she was still around, and uh, she had, uh, her figure had, had changed its shape, um, it had expanded somewhat, considerably, and uh, she was pretty persistent in asking people for money, um, there's something plucky about her, uh, there's something tough about her, uh, there's a tenacity that is admirable, um, in a way, she kind of has it together. Uh, she also got a love interest. Um, and this guy, he he came into the scene, I think, probably 2013. And he may be a little bit younger than her. And he was like kind of like a puckish blonde with with like he kind of looked like he could be an oasis almost he could he looked like he kind of looked like a brit popper um 
kind of looked like he, he might have been from a family of some means or something. Um, he, he slowly went down to her level um, and they kind of evened out. But, you know, they were like a, a married couple, essentially. Um, and they, they were together for years on the streets. And, you know, I saw them argue. Um, sometimes you'd be coming home from like, you know, the attic or something like that. And they'd be kind of cuddled up next to each other, um, holding each other at night, sleeping. Uh, I feel like having, you know, being partnered, having a pet or having a, having a companion out on the streets is probably a huge, you know, boost for your morale and, and your survival. Um, you know, and, and they, they were codependent. I, I gathered, you know, um, they did a lot of drugs together and guess what? They broke up, they broke up and now they're on, they have different territories. So the lady ended up, she ends up, you'll see her at 24th, right near uh, Valencia Farmer's Market. So 24th and Valencia and right near uh, Bethel Church. She'll hang out there at that zone where the kind of cholo-ish guys are. And she has, her figure has expanded. Um, But yeah, she somehow, you know, dumped the motherfucker already. I have a feeling he screwed it up with her. Um, But he is... You can find him on 24th Street all the way up to, uh, he, he hangs out on Folsom at 24th all the way up to 17th and Folsom. So I have a feeling that people have like their territories or their zones. And if you're not able to, um, hold your ground or, or to hold space for others and for yourself, then you probably are you know, forced to move on. Um, he's lost a lot of teeth. He's lost almost all of his teeth. So his face, his, his bone structures changed. He used to be kind of a, a pretty boy. Um, and I've also seen him, I think that his parents sometimes pick him up and, and, uh, and keep him off the streets for a little while, but he always returns. And when he returns, he kind of has new clothes. So, you know what? Homeless people are people. They are people and they have hard lives. You know, having, having a shelter, it, it's a difference between life and death and it's something not to be taken lightly. And God, I hope this homeless problem gets fixed in a real way that is sustainable. I'm not talking about shipping the homeless people off to some other, you know, other spot for them to be homeless in another city. I'm talking about giving these people homes. Let's do it. Well, I've got to get back to work. I've got to do my shipping. I got a lot of shipping and I got to do laundry. And I think I might get a pedicure or something today and just take a load off. I hope you guys have a great day and uh, I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye bye.